They said it was forbidden. They said it was dangerous. They were right. Introducing the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual. Dive into the arcane, into the hidden corners of the occult. This isn't just a comic. It's a hidden tome of supernatural power. All original artwork illustrating the groundbreaking research of Juan Ayala, one of the only living homunculologists of our time. Learn how to summon your own homunculus, an enigma wrapped in the fabric of reality itself, their power at your fingertips, their existence, your secret. Explore the mysteries of the Aristotelian, the spiritual, the Paracelsian, the Crowleyan homunculus, ancient knowledge lost to time, now unearthed in this forbidden tale. This comic book holds truths not meant for the light of day, knowledge that was buried, feared, and shunned. Are you ready to uncover the hidden, the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual, not for the faint of heart, available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today. podcast with your host Juan Ayala and welcome back to another episode of the one-on-one podcast what is up what is up make sure to follow us on social or follow I always say us I'm always speaking in like plural follow me on social media at the one-on-one podcast make sure to join the patreon patreon.com slash the one-on-one podcast follow the goodness on there ah and today 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 we're gonna be talking about some heretical shit okay we're gonna be talking about some heresy okay heresy and today i'm joined by eduardo cano what's up bro do you want me to call you eddie eduardo uh eduardo cano that's my my government name my author name but uh on here you know when i'm laid back i'm just esoteric eddie or eddie it's cool and i encourage the listeners to go check your stuff out eddie can you plug that real quick before we dive any deeper into this awesome episode i can already tell it's going to be good Absolutely. Uh, Instagram, Esoteric Eddie. I got a lot of personalized content on there. And then um, Esoteric Eddie TV on YouTube for videos and documentaries. Does your voice hurt, bro? Have you been talking a lot today? <clears throat> no, dude. I have like a weird voice. It fluctuates a lot. Like, <laughs> it, it's just like that, man. Yeah. It's all good, bro. What helps, right? We've been talking about how you, people tell you to start your own podcast, which I tell everybody they should start their own podcast. For me, it's therapy. So, you know, but to each their own. But it helps to have like a cup of water or something, right? To keep those vocal cords lubricated. So make sure to check his stuff out there. And then today we're going to be talking about your book, The Lucifer Mystery Revealed. And it's interesting because is it weird that we're both 27? Hey. I'm 27 too, bro. And there we go. And. And you were raised in a religious household. I was raised in a religious religious household, right? And do yeah. you feel sometimes talking about this, like, do you get that feeling, like, man, God's 
God's going to be pissed at me for talking about this, right? Oh, yeah. God and my grandma. Yeah. Yeah. My, my grandma. grandma, bro. My grandma <laughs> would strike me down as if she understood that. Because here's the thing, bro. And, and, and I wanted to start off with this quote in the book. And I, and I encourage listeners to go find it. I got mine from Amazon. You can check them out on there. This, I think, sums up pretty, pretty well this whole matrix that we're in, right? It is the gripping power of indoctrination that ferments the discord in our warring societies fighting for their personal truth instead of our human truth. When I read that, I was like, right? We're all ideologies, right? How you say in this book, fighting against each other. That's what Plato talked about, right? Where, where these, these thoughts that come from higher above from this other dimension, if you will, right? We're all, yeah. I've always said this, we're all just thoughts fight, fighting against each other. Because I don't like the way you feel about something. You don't like the way I feel about something. So here we have this conflict. And I talk about the reptilian overlords a lot. But these are the arconic forces right at work in this world. And that's been a theme since the beginning of time, right? Divide and conquer. That's where that comes. Divide, conquer. It's easier to manipulate a congregation of people versus a whole collective conscious. And, you know, we, we live in a society where there is a lot of simulacra, a lot of symbols, a lot of different things that nine out of 10 people, 9.98 out of 10 people don't understand what they're looking at or what they're reading or what they're saying and all this stuff. And if we come together as a collective consciousness, I think that's where we would do the most damage, right? If you have enough people who think that the moon is made of cheese, it's probably going to be made of cheese, right? But they put all these symbols in and these indoctrinations right since we were small like me i was raised pentecostal christian and since i since since i was like seven or eight i remember the, the coming of christ has been since uh, as far as i can remember i'm that's 20 i'm 20 years in bro and i'm still waiting right and yeah the reason i picked this book up was shout out to the homie Romy, right from rising from the ashes podcast that that he put me in touch with you and it's been something that i've always a lot of the, a lot of the things in this book I've talked about and the way you wrote the book, just put everything together. Uh, what I love about it, real straightforward, you know, very user friendly book. This is this that you, you did a great job. I want to congratulate you on the great job that you did deciphering everything and putting it in terms that, uh, you know, uh, an idiot like me could understand. Right. And I'm in this circle of this. So when I'm reading, I'm like, Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Right. And you know, when you know something, but you don't really know the history behind it. Yeah. One of the things in this book, Alistair, I call him Alistair Cuckley. That's what I call him. <laughs> and I had asked a friend of mine, what were his contributions to the occult world? And here we have, you broke that down, what he did for the occult. And, you know, he uh, translated the work of Eliphas Levi, but then he also said he was the reincarnation, which I thought that was stupid, but hey, it is what mm -hmm. it is. What made you want to write about something so full of dogma and right because when we think satan lucifer uh, the devil right which are could be said that are three separate entities right that you break down in this book what made you want to start off in this like what what inspired you to write a book on such a heavy subject that really resonates either well with people or negatively Absolutely. Uh, well, I've been researching the esoteric, the occult, the conspiratorial for well over 10 years, 27 now, as you are. And I started looking into this stuff around the age of 12 and four to 14 when I got into psychedelics, into certain music that was like 
opening my mind up and just heavily reading and researching. And so from that point to now, um, I, I learned a lot and I, ha I made different attempts at trying to write books and make documentaries. So I've gone through variations as an artist and a scholar. But um, a couple of years ago, around the age of 25, I decided to kind of like revamp myself as a scholar and artist. And that's when I came back out as uh, Esoteric Eddie um, with the YouTube channel, the Instagram and this current book. And so it took me two years to write. And at 25 years old, my life was I was going through a lot of different personal things. But I wanted to take what I knew and my skill set and still get, get another chance at providing something unique and informative for the world. Um, to to benefit us, you know, right? Because my, my philosophy is like, you know, what what bad can come out of knowing the truth, right? So for, before I started writing the book, uh, I already knew the answer as to who Lucifer really is. I knew the answer, but I wanted to present that in a way that could be, as you said, user-friendly or, or easy for people to understand. So when I wrote the book, it was most it was mostly, number one, me giving myself another shot at trying to present some work that could be respectful and professional or respected as professional, but also just choosing a topic that would be unique and powerful um, for the people to start opening up that discussion about looking at things more uh, truthfully and, and honestly. Yeah. And I wish I could have highlighted the whole book because the entire, it's just, pack full of good information and I, and I have a bunch of highlights here right as humans we have and through growing up right and I can relate one of the first conspiracy theories that I got into was if you want to call it a conspiracy theory, right the Bermuda Triangle these enigmatic places around the world UFOs obviously I remember being fascinated by dinosaurs Bigfoot and all these things that were told Hey, they were, they might be real. They might not. Some people don't believe that dinosaurs are real. Right. And there's this, as, as humans, we want to androgenize everything in cartoons. It's always the little angel and the devil, right? This duality, the yeah. duad. And you said here, we as humans have an innate mechanism that divides our existential experience into one guided by good and evil. And I've always wondered why that is. And after reading this book, it kind of made me think of this is all bullshit, right? All these wars that have been fought, all these religions that have been brought forth from that one mother religion, right? If you will, back it goes back to Sumer. Yeah. What if none of that would have ever happened? What if we wouldn't have let these egotistical church fathers put in right you have i i think one one great example i don't know if you mentioned this in the book or not i think you did constantine right or uh where he wanted to use it as like a divine right to be yeah. able to rule over people so it's better if i say hey god sent me versus if i say hey no i'm i'm just who i am i just want to i just want to talk about this i i am the ruler well, who the fuck sent you let's what do we what can we think of oh just say god sent you Yes, God sent me. Yes. Well, oh, and okay, that's fine. You can rule over us. That's it. Right. And yeah. I, I also think that we know that fears can be passed down genetically. Right. Fear is a thing that can be passed down genetically. That's been proven. 
I think this whole being ruled by this higher power, an overlord, right, a king, queen, whatever, I think that's been integrated in human genealogy, if you will. This idea that we need to follow people who, like Manly P. Hall talks about how hierarchy has an effect on the psyche. Right. If you, if you you have those experiments that they do with the prisoners and the guards, where when you flip them, it's just chaos. Because again, because they have a status within society, they feel that you know, do as I say, not as I do. Right. And then we see that today. People worship these political figures nowadays, and they they're pretty much demigods. They they are gods on earth. They have security out the ass they you can't they're untouchable if you really come to look at it this is like how the egyptians pharaohs must have been back then when they would come out and talk to their people you couldn't get near them and it's the same ideology that we see today but again through this indoctrination that goes back way way back which i believe right is linked to these these ancient bloodlines of people and these ancient families that's a real thing you you know people look at all this stuff as as conspiracy but it's all connected. And I always ask myself, I go where I have this nihilistic side of me where I, I, I now I was listening to the first ever episode I ever did until now. I'm a completely different person, like 100 percent looking into these subjects, talking about this stuff. I'm a different person completely. And I've always, I have this nihilistic side of me where I go, it's all bullshit. None of this matters. You know what I mean? This is all a construct of of people of egos just all throughout history it's a it's a it's a cosmic game of telephone where we're just saying the same things and then it just gets misconstrued but wait it doesn't fit the narrative change it up then they change it and then just people keep caring do you think a thousand years from now we're we're still going to have christianity or or judaism or anything like that i think about that a lot man i think about like how much longer can these religions last and hold out and uh the interesting thing is i mean mainstream media will tell us or mainstream history will tell us that we're about six or 7,000 years old. Um, but we kind of have held those traditions all throughout of these gods and these deities and certain traditions and, and ceremonies have held. So a thousand years, maybe it'll probably be transformed into another thing. They'll probably upgrade it to something else to fit the time and the narrative. But uh, it is an interesting to pon- interesting thing to ponder, you know, how much longer are we going to allow these religions to have so much power over our institutions? Yeah, right. Institutions. That's a very that's a very look at the Church of Scientology, how much power, how much money and how much influence that they have. And this is this is it's what blows my mind, dude, is so many people get behind this. Right. The founding of this country you mentioned the book is a cult. You know this, right? All these, the, all the founding fathers were either Rosicrucians or Freemasons or some sort of secret society or even in between. And I always tell people, I go, if they can't even come up with the same ideas within their secret societies or their esoteric groups, what makes you think that religion, right? We have different denominations even in religion. Right, you had the Freemasons, and from there the Rosicrucians, from there the 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 was it the Gate of the Golden Dawn or whatever the, the bullshit was, and then from there we have something else, and it's just gonna keep on going. So I I think I I agree with you on that. Where 
Maybe a thousand years from now, we're going to be talking about the same shit on podcasts. Maybe not. Maybe it'll be the church of Elon Musk or something, right? The new AI. We're going to be worshiping the new AI and all this stuff because when you talk about the whole Lucifer thing, and, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, the name Lucifer was from that Bible verse right, where he's talking about can you go into a little bit about that? Because again, I'm going yeah. to the top of my the dome. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So uh, the opening chapter of the book, I kind of get into the terminological misunderstanding of Lucifer. So when I wrote the book, I, I asked myself, you know, where did we get the idea of Lucifer? When were we first introduced to that? That's kind of my methodology of when I start doing research is just go to the source of things. And what I found was that the world primarily the western world was introduced to lucifer through the king's james bible the official uh, english version and in that version we see the word lucifer used once in the famous isaiah 14 12 verse which is the O lucifer how art thou fallen etc but it is used as an uppercase name now, when we follow the progression of the translation, we can see how we ended up at this complex situation of Lucifer being looked at as a person. In the Hebrew, um, well, it, it goes from the English to the Latin to the Greek to the Hebrew. Now, <laughs> right? I mean, we're going to run into some errors translating, translating all those languages. And we did. So in the Hebrew, uh, where we would see Lucifer, we would see the term Hallel ben Shahar, which translates as Hallel, which is a name which can mean something bright. Then the meaning of the name Hallel is bright. And then ben Shahar means son of Shahar. Shahar was also a deity, uh, a Canaanite deity. And Shahar means dawn or, or morning. So that's where we got the Lucifer, son of the morning. But uh, when the Greeks translated that, they translated it properly using the word phosphorus which can mean light or fire bright and they use it as a lowercase adjective and then in the latin is where we first saw the word lucifer because it is a latin word but we saw it again and they're used multiple times as a lowercase adjective the root words for lucifer in the latin are luce or lux meaning light and fede meaning to bring or hold where the where the occult gets the idea uh lucifer as a light bearer but what makes it all more interesting is that in the Hebrew, Hallel, again, means bright, but it was Hallel refers to an actual Canaanite deity. Hmm. And we know this because uh, in the 1930s, we uncovered some text in, in uh, ancient Canaan in that area, which is like the Middle East. And Shout stuff. out to Moloch, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, like just all that stuff. That's that all that stuff was pre-Judaism and it's where Judaism formed out of. Um, and I'll kind of get into that a little bit. But uh, so it, we found these texts right in that area in the 1930s. And one of them we found is our title, the Baal, the Baal cycle text, right? Because Baal or Baal, however you prefer to, to pronounce it, was uh, one of these old gods, a part of pre-Judaic times. In pre-Judaic times, the religions were polytheistic. At the top, you had El, and then below El, you had all these different gods and goddesses and uh, one of those at the top was Baal who was kind of like this like hell bent hell bent dude just like out there for dominion rebellious and, and, right he wanted to like fuck the system type of thing 
Absolutely. Very similar to the Babylonian Marduk. Um, but uh, in these texts that we found, there's a, there's a small story where Baal uh, decides to step down from his throne and the gods are kind of conversing like, well, who's going to rule in his stead? And uh, this god by the name of Athtar decides to step up to the throne. And uh, when he steps up on the throne, he realizes he's literally too short for the throne. <laughs> so it's decided that, you know, he's not fit to rule. And in that text, scholars have concluded that that deity, Athtar, was the Hillel that uh, Isaiah was referring to, because in the text, it's stated that Athtar is the son of Shahar, another ancient Canaanite deity. So why Isaiah used the word Hillel is uncertain, but Isaiah was a prophet and a scribe and a royal one at that. So he was educated, he was intelligent. And keep in mind, Judaism can be broken up into two categories pre-exilic Judaism and post-exilic Judaism. And that refers to the time when the Babylonians came and took them captive for some time. Pre-exilic Judaism was loose. It was polytheistic. It was barely forming. It was pulling from the old world. And then they were, kept, they were held captive by the Babylonians. And that's when they fortified and strengthened. And that's when the Bible was written and all this stuff was put together. Now, Isaiah was written right at the, the, the crux of that. So he was uh, during the last generation before the Babylonians completely took over. So in the famous Isaiah 14, 12 verse, he wasn't talking about a Lucifer. He was he was uh, insulting and prophesizing against the Babylonian kings, saying these things about them. And what makes it even more interesting is that Hillel, the Greek phosphorus, the Latin Lucifer as a lowercase, are all terms that can also mean Venus. And Venus in its celestial mythology is the brightest celestial object in the sky preceding the sun. I mean, every morning, depending on where you are, you, you see Venus before you see the sun. But so Isaiah, he's using all this metaphor of Hillel, Astar, uh, Venus, and, and he's using it as a metaphor to the Babylonian kings saying that you think that you are something of importance, that you are bright, you like Venus, you think you're going to last, but the sun or God will soon overshadow you. Mm. Yes. And it's just like the book of revelations where John is talking about the political times that they were in, right? The seven headed serpent or beast was the seven emperors of Rome. And the, the, the B six, six, six was Nero Kaisermar supposedly. But here's the thing about all this stuff, right? It can be interpreted a hundred thousand different ways. My whole thing about religion and my view has changed where I look at religion, not to bash anyone's beliefs, but as a guide, right? Some people need to be guided in life. I look at the Bible as a, as a manual on life to a certain extent. The Ten Commandments at its core is pretty much don't be a piece of shit, right? Do good, love thy neighbor, listen to your parents, don't kill anybody. You know, basic stuff that you need to... And remember, in the time where it was presented to Moses... He had a bunch of people he needed to to rule over essentially they needed organization because without that without laws there is anarchy so you could again understand where he was again if it was divine intervention or not that's a whole different thing right if the acacia tree was burning and it was dmt it was a dmt trip and he was that that's a whole different thing but understand that he had to he needed organization over this exodus of of people Right. Was it forty years that they were that they were roaming the the lands or? Yeah, 
yeah. It's a long ass time. So again, you needed yeah. to have some sort of of again hierarchy, right? Because the hierarchy, like, hey, I'm I was sent. Who he say? Who do I say sent me? I am that I am. You know who well, who sent you? God. You know what I mean? Like they they needed to find something again. This divine intervention, which we always go back to that, right? The, uh, religion for me now is, I believe in a higher power. I believe in in something that is ruling everything and keeping everything in order, even though the universe does have natural order, right? Survival of the fittest, if you will. I don't think that we should, that that this entity or this higher power, should, the one, the source, should be labeled as such. Maybe he's not a old man on a throne somewhere in heaven with a bunch of angels, right? Because that's, that's the picture that we're painted from a Christian point of view where he's this person, this might, don't masturbate. Cause that's bad. You know what I mean? They just, yeah. just do good. Or, and he's always, he's omnipotent. He's always watching you, your every move. That's a great way to keep people at bay. You know, if, if, if you need to, you need to go to church, you have to pay us. It's a brokered experience now, bro. You have to pay us in order to achieve divinity. And we yeah. might save you a seat up in heaven. If you're, if you're good enough. Okay. If you repent for your sins and, and you do what you're told, we might save you a seat up here and you know, the rest is history. Now, so we have that interpretation, which again, this is what what people people have people have dedicated their lives to understanding these texts, yeah. right? These texts that were written thousands of years ago. Another interesting person that that came up, which I had heard about this before, and I forgot where I heard about it. But again, a lot of the things that you wrote in your book, I had either heard before or uh, had previously read about and it just didn't stick to me this saint lucifer of calgary can you can you go a little bit about him because that that yeah. that follows isaiah's thing right so it's isaiah first and it goes down you have all these canaanite and sumerian entities if you will that you know their, their pantheon and then it just trickles down again this cosmic game of telephone and then we have this saint lucifer of Calgary. Can you get into him Cag a little bit? <laughs> yeah, Lucifer of Cagliari. Cagliari, Cagliari Italy. Um, kind of sounds like Calamari, <laughs> but it's like Cagliari. Yeah, so the interesting thing is there's another aspect as to maybe why the word Lucifer was used in the Latin Vulgate, the Latin translation. So the Latin translation, which was primarily used by the Roman Catholic Church, was, was uh, commissioned by the Pope, um, to be translated by a dude by the name of Eusebius Hieronymus, uh, famously known as Jerome. If you go to like theological school or whatever, like you're going to find that you're going to learn about Jerome. He's, he's highly regarded within the church. And um, so during that time period, which was the 300s, when Jerome was writing the, the Vulgate, the Latin version, the Constantinian dynasty was was ruling at that time and they were kind of like scuffling paganism into this new christian empire again to uh, easily control the vast empire and during that time christianity was not a unified religion you had all sorts of christianity so the church and the institution uh with the state they were trying to find a way to unify it. They were asking themselves, you know, what are we going to teach? What what books are we going to keep? Which ones are we not going to keep? It's when you're having like the Council of, Ni Council of Nicaea and all that stuff as well. So during that time, there was a schism within the, within the church. And that schism was known as Arianism. And Arianism taught that Jesus Christ was just a regular man 
who was given authority by God to be Christ, to be given the title Christ. Yikes. So, yeah, I mean, that opens up a flood of corruption right there. So the, that brought justification to the to the Constantinian dynasty and the church to say that, well, in that following that logic, then any person could be given that right as well. And uh, the Constantine used that, you know, to his benefit and said that he was Christ on earth. He was given the title Christ. And um, there were some anti-Aryans at the Constantine time. Constantine said that? Yeah, pretty much. He was viewed as like the Christ on earth. Really? Not that he was, not that he was Jesus, but that he was given the title Christ. Yeah, like the Gnostics believe that the Christ consciousness, right, possessed the Jesus character when he was baptized. Right, and you get the Manicheans and the Mundaeans and all this stuff. Right, I mean that's where Absolutely. that all that comes from. That's interesting. I, I I didn't catch that on here. I don't know if you put that in the book. Yeah, it should be in there. Um, but so at the time, yeah, these Arians preaching that who were. Uh, you know, given favor to the Constantinian dynasty. So all these bishops were kind of like selling out and going with that. And then you had all these other bishops who were anti-Aryans who were opposing this heretical idea, who were saying, no, Jesus is God, was God incarnate as a man. And among these uh, opposing anti-Aryans was a, a leading figure by the name Saint Lucifer. <laughs> That was his name because, again, Lucifer, it was just a name, a Latin term that meant something bright. So this St. Lucifer guy, he's opposing these people and then he gets banished by the church and, and the state. So while he's banished, he's writing these polemical letters, kind of condemning them, talking smack, you know, and then the Constantinian dynasty falls and then he's given sympathy and able to return to the state. And this time he's involved in another debate where he's kind of like dissing all the sellouts saying like you guys sold out and like now you're trying to come back to the church and um but they used his logic against him and said well if christ is the only one that can forgive then you have no authority to to say whether or not we can enter back into the church so he kind of like became this bitter dude who was disgraced and kind of died a bitter dude in italy where today there are still shrines uh dedicated to him and a key witness to all of this was nonetheless Jerome, uh, the dude who translated the Latin version. And he actually left behind a text of that experience called the Dialogue Against the Luciferians, because mm -hmm. um, his followers were known as Luciferians, not Luciferians as we know them, but Luciferians as his St. Lucifer's followers who were anti-Aryans. So some people speculate that Jerome might have kind of snuck in this word as another entendre on top of Isaiah's entendre with Venus and Astar. Do you think when <laughs> you know, the church fathers, when they first say, hey, what, what's your name, bro? He's like, I'm, I'm Lucifer. They're like, they're like, what the fuck? Because they're like, this is our guy. This is the guy we need to, you know what I mean? Because how many people know about this St. Lucifer character? And I, I had come across, I had, somebody had mentioned that to me before. They're like, oh, Lucifer was the guy back then. He was a saint. And I never like looked into it, right? Because again, who, I don't go around trying to decipher who Lucifer is. That's why I asked you, how'd you get into something of this topic? Because again, it's a dark topic that maybe perhaps some people don't want to get into. But this is what this podcast is all about, about asking those hard questions and trying to dig deeper because not until you start to question that authority, are you going to, you yeah. said, what'd you say earlier that the learning the truth 
doesn't hurt. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, learning the truth can can do no harm, you know. Except what, what? shatter your paradigm, and for exactly. some people, that is everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, what, the statement that I said was, "What bad can come from knowing the truth?" Right, and it's kind of a rhetorical question because obviously, as you say, yeah, a lot of bad can come for can come with that, but only bad if you're not ready to give up what uh, you hold dear mm -hmm. to you through indoctrination. And that's a hard that's a hard pill to swallow, right? For a lot of people, uh, coming to terms with things that they perhaps grew up with, and and you know, speaking of this, and that's why they were ruled heretics back then. That's why they were, right. If you, if you, if you grew plants in your backyard and, and were self-sustaining, you were a pagan and you were burned at the stake. And I've always said there is a literal comprehension of things and a mystical comprehension of things. Right. And it gets very, very crazy, especially when you're talking about the divine, right. These metaphysics and all these things, because I don't know if it raises any red flags for you, but if you're part of the church and you're supposedly translating something that's part for the church, I think you might be a little biased as to, oh, wait, this says this. Nah, dude, mm -mm. I'm going to be burned at the stake if I say that. Let me just change this one word up and, and just make it into something else. And imagine, dude, imagine how many times, right? You've written a couple books, right? I'm mm -hmm. in the process of writing a book as well, right? Today is, I'm going to say this so nobody steals the name, 7.39 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, February 28, 2022. So if you steal this name, I'm going to come after you. But I'm going to, the, the, I've decided to name the book Deciphering the, the Archontic Matrix, okay? And I'm going to uh, get it. I have title. Yeah, I have about 65,000 words that I have to, a lot of fluff in there, but go in there and, and, and take out and put in and all this stuff, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I told you I had mentioned to you, I was going to do it. So yeah. I put something together yesterday and I have all my ideas just compiled into, and I just have to break it down. How you said every chapter is a different essay. So yeah. I'm going to do that. I'm going to try and, and do something new, something fresh, right. From my point of view, there's nothing yeah. new under the sun, right? I mean, that's, that's the whole Absolutely. thing, but whatever the point is to try and do it. But can you imagine how many times a mistranslation has happened since the beginning of time? Because what's the oldest work of literature that we know? It's the Epic of, of yeah, Gilgamesh. Yeah. yeah, the Epic of Gilgamesh, right? That's the first. Um, but what came before that? That's the whole thing, right? And, and, and later on, we can get into the whole Anunnaki aspect of it because the Anunnaki has always fascinated me. But I've always said, right, this is the fertile crescent. This is where humanity started, right, in this area of the world. What the fuck was happening in the Americas? There was nobody there. There was nobody. It was just a, a desolate land. That's it. There's nobody. No, this is where it started. See, that those type of narratives, right, if they, if they change history, and we know that they do, right, we, we, we know that the, that the government does shady shit, these institutionalized powers, right, when you have this this meld, uh, melting together of the church with the government. Cause right. The, the Vatican has, it's, it's its own city, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. Do you know if it, it's like its own yeah. power? It's, it's own city. Yeah. Yeah. Like how, how is that? Okay. Like how, how are they, you know what I mean? They don't pay to a lot of churches don't pay taxes, right? I see these fat ass churches like, wow, 
This is crazy, right? The the pastor's driving a nice ass Benz, all this stuff. Oh, dude, come yeah. on, man. You know what I mean? Like, like the Stoics talked about stripping themselves of everything, and here you are indulging in the material aspect, right? With Satan, Satan is the the one who created the material world, but here you are buying expensive houses, uh, living uh, living expensive houses, uh, buying expensive cars, and doing all this stuff. Like, people don't open up their eyes to this. And don't get me wrong, again. Religion to some people is everything. And you know this. And yeah. I respect your right to practice whatever. I say practice whatever you want as long as you don't hurt yourself or hurt others. Okay? And you can do whatever you want to do behind closed doors, whatever. As long as you don't, you know, take it out on other people and stuff like that. But yeah, it's always blown my mind that people will blindly follow right and how many people do you know who actually read the bible who actually read the things behind it and one of the one of the the most interesting historical characters which a lot of people don't look into right king james okay king james which you go into it in the book with the rosicrucians and francis bacon and all these guys but king james is a guy who again the reason that he broke off from the crown is because he wanted to get a marriage annulled and he knew the pope wouldn't approve of it so he did his own thing, right? He had the Geneva Bible at the time and he wanted to have his own. And then who better to edit it than supposedly Francis Bacon, who was a Rosicrucian. Who was it? You said that Thomas Edison was the one that looked up to him. Thomas Jefferson. 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 Jefferson yep. Yeah. One of the founding fathers, which we know they were all occultists. They had a paranormal experience within the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Do you know about that? I've heard about like the mysterious speaker. Yeah. That guy. How crazy is that, dude? That's, yeah, wild. that's a wild story. I was actually looking back into that recently, like trying to dig some information on it. It's it's pretty yeah, it's wild. It's not too much on it, but uh it's a fascinating story. It's almost like an egregore, right? Where they, they all collectively had this this idea. They all knew that they 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 signed the Declaration of Independence, that would be their death sentence if it failed. Yep. And what better way than to, you know, like how they do in the movies, that, that victory speech of, yeah, let's go fuck them up. And it's like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. And then when they all sign, where, where's homeboy at? Well, I don't I thought it was you. No, I thought it was you. No, no. I could have sure it was you. And they were all pointing fingers. Some say it was this person. It was a mysterious figure that manifested himself in that room and then dissolved right back into the ether. Like, who knows? That's the wildest thing, bro, that, yeah. that, that happened, right? And they write about this. But back to the whole, I think this is all bullshit narrative. I, I do think, right? The system that we have now is really, I mean, we talked about maybe in a thousand years that we're going to be talking about this stuff, but I had a doctor on, right? A scholar of church history. I don't know. If, have you ever heard of Joseph Lumpkin? No. He's written a couple of books. And he has an, an encyclopedia of, reje of rejected scripture and something else. I forgot to have it down Joseph there. Joseph Lumpkin. Yeah, jo uh, Joseph B. Lumpkin, a Dr. Joseph Lumpkin. I've had him on my podcast, and I remember we were going back and forth, and I'm like, hey, dude. And I was getting, I was alluding to the idea of, hey, it's bullshit. Because there's all the, I said, there's all these translations, right? And I said, I think I said something about, oh, it started with the Greek. And he's like, no, 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 it didn't start with that. It started with, I'm like, you're just proving my point. <laughs> That it started with this, then it went to this, then it went to this. And then, come on, something is not going to add up. I mean, do you speak Spanish? Yeah, not uh, 
not 100% fluently, but yeah. But you know how words change, right? And I've been I've been yeah. playing with this idea of starting a Spanish conspiracy podcast cuz the community sure. is underserved. And That'd be badass. But I think that I wouldn't be able to I go on these rants where I wouldn't be able unless I do Spanglish be able to convey these ideas, right? How do you say Anunnaki in Spanish? El Anunnaki, I don't know, you know what I mean? Like you have to <laughs> you have to say the same thing. El Anunnaki. So Again, I think you like fortified this idea of where do we go from here if this is all a figment of a narrative, right? A figment of our imagination. If this Lucifer character, the Satan character, this this devil character never existed, why do we have a full system that works? Like it it works since the beginning of God knows when it works, but I. Obviously, it has to do with people not woke enough. I don't like that term, but awakened, right? Yeah. And yeah. What do, why do you think that? Why do you think people carry these ideas? Do you have a, a hypothesis on that or or an idea of why people just take it and run with it? Because, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it's... it's yeah. Bothers well, me. I think... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we're always trying to find the meaning of life, of course, right? And, and more so back in the day. I mean, now it's like everything is meaningless you know with the digital era and stuff but it wasn't always like that like that back in the day right like bc times that was very respectful and that was like the goal of the mystics was to try and decipher the meaning of life and where it all started and we time and time again they were all kind of basically saying the same thing and realizing the same thing like for example in the egyptian pyramid texts which are the texts that the Egyptian religion is based on, um, they speak about the afterlife and how it's a realm that one must prepare for. And when you make that transition, you must be spiritually guarded because you can come across entities or things that might try to sway you from being able to successfully reach the highest realm, uh, which is heaven, right? And, And the Gnostics taught a similar thing. The Greeks taught a similar thing. And even now in quantum physics, we're starting to realize we might be in a simulation and there are different realms and there might be a, a highest realm where, where infinity exists. So uh, I think, you know, like I said in the book, there's an innate need for us to divide things between good and evil. It's a survival tactic for one psychologically, but uh, it, and now it's become more than just psychologically, it's become a social thing. It's how we socialize. It's become a social status, right? Like, oh, I'm a it's good a Christian. It's a culture. It's a tradition. Exactly. So it all it's all psychological, really, when you break it down. But I also like to say that it's not just psychological. It all started with an event that was very impactful to our psyche, right? So at some point, according to the legends, if we follow them, that we did have an interaction with these supposed deities who came here, created us, taught us all that we know, and then just left. And it was that abandonment that that created the need for religion. It created the need to carry on their their uh, legacy through these weird ceremonies and rites and symbolisms. And we're so far removed from that time period where we live with the gods that now it's they're just, it's just a fantasy. And instead of actually you know, remembering them like our ancestors might have done. We just view them as symbols. We view them as the, as the cross or, or whatever. 
Yeah, simulacra. That's what Jean Baudrillard talks about, where these symbols become these deities, right? A crucifix of, of Jesus Christ becomes Jesus Christ, right? You can't deface that. You can't, or you can't burn the dollar bill. You can't do all, you can't burn the Bible. Well, the Bible is not the actual living word, right? The living word is in the ether. I mean, that's what, that's what it's all about. But again, desecration, right? Because again, the whole thing behind, we knew that supposedly, again, allegedly, Saddam Hussein said that he was the reincarnation of Nebuchadnezzar, right? And you have the, uh, you, uh, what is it, the ziggurat of Ur, where supposedly he had a star game. This, were, this was the uh, weapons of mass destruction, and he was collecting all these artifacts. Why, when we invaded Baghdad when 2003, 2006, the first places that they visited were these sacred ancient sites to what? To supposedly, again, allegedly, tear them down. There's videos of ISIS tearing down these temples and these uh, breaking these sacred things. And I think who was it? Was it either Putin or or Trump one time? I remember said he was talking to the Middle East and he said, you don't want us to like, again, I'm paraphrasing and I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I heard this. You don't want us to bomb these sacred places, right? What was he alluding yeah. to? Was he alluding to all these, again, these ancient temples to the to these ancient gods? Was World War II really for what it was for? Or was it an occult war, right, for alien tech? But yeah. it's interesting that you said that where are you pretty much hinting at that humanity has daddy issues? So <laughs> it acted out from that to, again, androgenize, right, and and and, and fill in that missing void because what is purpose eddie like what is this this well, purpose you know what i mean yeah i mean damn if you want me to answer that <laughs> you can try okay. but i mean but this is these are yeah. things i think about what yeah. these these ideas that were that are put into our head what is purpose what is uh, you know your rightful place in this universe because yeah i mean I, I gather what all of the great mystics have taught us from before us. And like I said earlier, like if you study that stuff, you see that they've all kind of come to the similar conclusion. And that is pretty much that what we live in, whether it's a universe, a simulation or whatever, a dimension, whatever it is we live in, apparently uh, it's we're trapped here. We're trapped here and it's somewhat of a soulless void that was created by something some time ago and that the true creator doesn't really exist here. Right. And that's, that's pretty much um, spoken of in Gnosticism and uh, Platonism and uh, the pyramid text to a certain degree. So I would say the, uh, the purpose is as the yogis would teach us as well is to get in tune with our spirit, awaken our spirit, awaken our consciousness, elevate out of this simulation, out of this realm and back to the source. And we don't know what that is. We don't know what that looks like. But apparently, at one point, we came from there. So the purpose is to try and align ourselves back in remembrance with that and remember who we are, remember where we came from to get out of here because what we're in is a trap. Now, that's the spiritual metaphysical purpose. The purpose on this planet as a human being, um, I think, is simply just to leave this place better off than we found it. Yes. With my first mushroom trip, I came to the conclusion that we are a cancer to this world. We are a cancer to this earth and we only have one, but yet we still continue to desecrate it and, and choke it. Right. 
in a sense, we're just choking away this life uh, that, that again, we only have one of. And uh, chapter two of the book, one of, one of the things that stood out to me was, at first, the Lucifer mythology was something used by the Christians to make sense of the evil in the world and as evidence of the corruption that can take place when one goes against the will of God. They took ancient scriptures from culture that they did not fully understand in a language they couldn't comprehend and molded a new model of the past involving our involvement and purpose with those or that which created us. Again, these ideas that are regurgitated over and over again, and we know about this, right? These ancient civilizations all talked about the same deities, just put different names on it, right? The Greeks inspired the Romans, the, the, the Egyptians inspired the Greeks, the Greeks inspired the Romans, so on and so forth. And here we are today, you know, supposedly, because time again is a human construct. And we know Joseph Scaliger, Scaligerian chronology, was a Jesuit, invented the AD and BC system that we know today. So who knows if there's corruption even behind that, right? You have the whole Tartaria. You like the Tartaria conspiracy, bro? You subscribe to it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's wild. I, I have yet to fully understand it, but I, I'm fascinated by it. Yes, this hidden hidden history, this missing link. And I've talked, I did, I've done a, a one solo episode and I, and I, and I, I think I titled it con, uh, the lost connection to the one, right? You have Plato talking about emanationism. They were emanationists that the one, the source emanated reality from the center. Then you have Yaldabaoth, right? The demiurge that was created from Sophia who with his little demon posse came together and they were like, Hey, let's create something. You're divine too, right? Why don't you just make something that's going to, you know, look like the real thing, right? Like the, a reflection of the upper eons. Okay. The we're in the lower eons. This is hell, right? We are in hell. But when you tell people, I've, I, one time I told people about the Demiurge and the Gnostic cosmology and they told me I worship Satan. And I said, bro, first of all, I don't, just because I speak about this stuff, because that's another thing, right? When you speak about something, you automatically, oh, you believe that? No, no, no. I don't think the moon is made of cheese. Could it possibly be made of cheese? Probably. Is the world flat? It could be, right? I mean, do I believe it? No. But it's it's something to enter entertain, right? It's a, it's, a, it's a good idea. But when I said this, again, somebody who's indoctrinated, who has been conditioned, who is still being conditioned, they took it as, oh, well, you worship you know, well, doesn't it say that, that, you know, the devil is the, the ruler of the material he created it? Well, he created everybody. You know what I mean? And through Gnosis, you're able to ascend into the upper eons. And Gnosis is whatever it is to you. This sacred knowledge, right? Where you're talking about this purpose, this fulfillment. Because we're emotional creatures at the end of the day. And we let emotions rule everything. I mean, if, if I don't like your idea, I'm going to attack you. No, you know what, Eddie? Fuck that. I don't like the way you feel about that. I don't like that idea that you just came up with. And this is how wars have been started for less. You know what I mean? Wars have been yeah. fought for less and hundreds of thousands of people have died because of just idea conflicting ideas, which is wild to me. You know, we're all one. Yeah. We're all in this together. We're a collective consciousness. But again, the powers that be, the archons, the reptilians, Whoever it is, the Anunnaki, perhaps, are the ones that are controlling this false matrix reality. And through yeah. the use of right the Ouroboros, and then you have uh, Frederick uh, Nietzsche talks about the eternal reoccurrence. Have you, have you ever heard of that? The eternal reoccurrence? No. 
uh, well, again, it's this, the Ouroboros pretty much that, yeah. that in order to survive, in order to become the, what he calls the Uber Smetchen, which is like this Uber man, whatever this, 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 this being, you need to suffer. You need to go and, and, and life mm -hmm. is hard, right? And these peaks and valleys are the ones that really make you and mold you and shape you, right? The, the world is an evil place and you have to know how to navigate these waters or else you're going to be. You're going to be sucked under, right? Under the undertow and you're going to get fucked up. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about, I love the book of Enoch. And one of the things that blows my mind is that it's referenced in the canon, which we know the Council of Nicaea was, again, trying to fit a narrative. Okay. There's all yeah. these books. You have the Nag Hammadi library. You have the Dead Sea Scrolls. You have all these different texts, these these Gnostic texts, heretical texts that go against, right? My favorite one being the, one of my favorites being the Gospel of Judas, where Judas is the good guy, right? And you have this Gnostic, shape-shifting, interdimensional Jesus that the disciples <laughs> hated. And here we are, right? It's like, wait, the, but, the, but the mainstream, right? The mainstream says that he was the bad guy. No, no, in this story, Jesus confides in Judas. And he's the most liked disciple of them all. And he 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 only turned him in right the the the, the Roman uh, emperor that wanted to crucify him wanted to give his son up but Jesus said no 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 I'm gonna do this leave it to me right leave it to me and the reason that Judas kissed him was because again he was a shapeshifter and he wanted to identify him so you have these crazy sci-fi stories yeah and when you when and I've brought this up to people in the church like hey have you ever read so and so no 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 don't read that well why not no 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 and actually don't even read the Old Testament. I go, but wait, it's, it's canon. It's part of the, the Bible. Yeah, no, don't. No. But it was King James was the one that authorized this. Well, King James also wrote about demons, werewolves, witches, vampires. Again, the same guy that authorized one of the most widely used and distributed versions of the Bible. You know what I mean? And they say yeah. supposedly they yep. put in Rosicrucian symbols within that, and you can decipher it depending. So I always say the sorcerer, the magician, if you will, because I believe in magic, bro. I believe in Santeria and all this shit, right? All this dark voodoo stuff. I believe in all that. And I do think that maybe perhaps the world back then with this connection to the one, to the source, which has been severed and separated, right? We're, we're getting, we're pushing back this humanism movement. I think words did have more power than they do have now. And I think it was like Harry Potter, bro, where they would wave wands around you have moses turning sticks into snakes and all this shit you know what i mean it was yeah it was magical bro you know what i mean so yeah i mean definitely some some science to all that for sure i mean a life itself is is miraculous and I, it's funny how we just view it as mundane but every yeah. day we're we're involved in magic i consider myself an alchemist bro i think all podcasters are alchemists because when you really break it down to its core right the the ancient alchemist in his cave that cave is replaced with four walls and we're using words to transform the thoughts of people, right? Because I can say something right now that could resonate with you on a deeper level, which is what Plato understood that the arts resonated with people on a deeper level and it affected their soul. So I can say words and transform the way you feel or, or think about something. So again, we're all alchemists in a way. And in the initiate to the flame, the term, the watchers for me took on a whole different meaning. You know, we have the divine alchemist, right? The divine alchemist who's creating reality, the universe. Yeah. And the watchers are those initiates 
the initiate alchemists who are there to see the divine in work, right? In the flesh, in the metaphysical flesh and blood, right? The watchers. And then we have the book of Enoch, which I wanted to get into with you about and then relate that to the Anunnaki because I, I, I love yeah. the Anunnaki. So can you give for those, there's three books of Enoch, the ones that are really most popular, obviously the first one, the second yeah. and third supposedly are copies. Again, um, I don't know how much you know of it. I know you wrote about it, but correct me if I'm wrong. The second and third were just some spinoffs. The first yeah. one being very crazy and heretical. But can you give a breakdown of the Book of Enoch a little bit so the listeners can have some context? Yeah, absolutely. And how this <laughs> related to the Lucifer thing. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the Book of Enoch used to be canonical. It used to be highly regarded in the first couple of centuries BC. Uh, so much so that some have said that it, that Paul used to carry it around with him. And some of Jesus's most famous statements are kind of like paraphrases from the book of Enoch. And even in the book of Jude, verses uh, 14 through 15, were direct quotes from the book of Enoch. So at some point, this was highly regarded. And the contents of it are uh, the story of, of Enoch, who was a patriarch of Noah. I believe he's his great-grandfather or grandfather. So it's Noah's, Noah's you know, ancestor telling a story of these fallen angels coming down to heaven, physical, physical beings. It describes them as physical beings coming down here and interacting with us and showing mankind different uh, types of sin, as they call it, like just random stuff that the angels taught us how to use weapons, how to use makeup. Talking about these fallen angels coming down here and basically yeah, teaching us like dark magic. And then uh, there were some good angels that came and picked up Enoch and showed him secrets as well and showed him all these different things in heaven and the celestial um, atmospheres and here on earth and all these different things and told him that, you know, there was a calamity coming and that his grandson or, or great grandson Noah would be enduring this and that his people, his generation, his his descendants would be enduring this so he'd have to preach the truth and the, and all that and then before they come back and abduct him and take him for good uh so it's, it's a very like psychedelic story and it was highly regarded in as canon in the early bc and then uh somewhere around the 300s it started being taken out and excluded and was actually banned from being taught or read by the constantinian um church uh and the reason why uh, no one really knows, but it's just interesting because the the fallen angels used to be looked at as corporeal or physical beings, and then they kind of got phased out, and now are just like regarded as this this fantasy or spiritual beings that never really existed. But the Book of Enoch says otherwise. It says they did exist. They were physical beings. They interacted with us and and made up actually, you know, mated with us. And to me covering that story up is like covering up our true history, which goes all the, all the way back to the Sumerians and the Anunnaki who did the same thing and who are the fallen angels. I believe that Enoch is actually talking about. Yeah. And you have the Nomos, right? The Nomos people, the Dogon from the Dogon tribe, these fish headed entities that came out of the water and had a metallic crafts and taught them again, uh, uh, agriculture and all these different knowledges 
astrology or not astrology, astronomy. And they could, they, they saw the Sirius star system before telescopes were even invented. So how were these people able to do these things if it weren't for either physical entities or were they channeling these entities? And I, I came up with an idea while you were talking about that as to why. And I believe the book of Enoch is still considered a canonical in the Ethiopian Bible. And again, I could, yeah. I could be wrong. Oh, yeah, you're right. But the, it's considered canon. But yeah, that always blew my mind that, it refer, that you have a text in the canon that refers to a non-canonical text. So it's which which is it, bro? You can't be in both circles yep. at the same time. And that always blew my mind, right? Where what's the deeper meaning to all of this? What is what are they trying to hide? Right. It's always what are they trying to hide from us? Right. I think that right, Enoch being one of I think maybe one or two people. I think Ezekiel was the other one. Or was it Ezekiel? Enoch was taken, right, by yeah. God. Being I think he's one or one of two people who have never that they didn't die right and we know that the book of enoch he eventually becomes metatron right this 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 person that manages the universe and and watches all this stuff and you have the nephilim and the elohim and the watchers and again a very psychedelic book that goes way against the narrative like what in the fuck are you talking yeah. about bro but again the the story of atrahasis is the same thing as Noah's flood, right? You have Zarathustra, Aziasudra. Zarathustra is from um, Zoroastrianism. Yeah, the, the, that was the prophet, right? That, that yeah, yeah. But you're talking about Zarathustra, which is the the Noah character. Yep. Okay, so again, you have these same things, but they say that Christianity took all that from the Zoroastrians, almost like almost word for word. I mean. The stories, the, the their parallels are just crazy. The Sumerians, yeah, yeah. They took it from the Sumerians. Yep, the, the, the Noah story. It was uh, Judaism that took Zarathustra and Zoroastrianism ideas. Oh, okay, okay. Again, a lot of bullshit in between. <laughs> a that... lot of Z's, man. A lot of Z's. <laughs> yeah. Where Z's they're just S's. repeating what each and every single one of them says, right? And they just again, yeah. but at the time. They take this narrative and they shift it to what they need, right? Constantine was, he wanted to rule the people, so he needed some divinity. I think the reason it stayed out in the Council of Nicaea was because this idea that just anyone could go and become this Metatron or this divine being at whatever given point, if God chose them, I think that went against the narrative at the time, right? Because if I'm divine and I have a right to rule because God said so, the only people who can say that they've gotten Christ consciousness was Jesus himself, which was right. And the Trinity is like one of the most convoluted things that of Christianity that a lot of people have a hard time understanding. Like, wait, he's God? Yeah, but he's the Holy Spirit too. But wait, then who's Jesus? Well, he's his son, but he's also God, but he's also the Holy Spirit. Like, wait a minute, what? you lose people yeah. there you know what i mean like you lose yeah. people and the and the concept of the trinity comes from hinduism right where they mm -hmm. they understood that there was different avatars there you know the one god didn't create the universe right he just emanated it 
right? He didn't create, and he's also the destroyer. He's also the creator, and he's also, I forgot the other one, but it's it's part of Hinduism. Again, all these different religions just pieced together. It's just this Frankenstein of a religion just put in one. Yeah, yeah, they're all borrowing. They're all kind of saying the same thing. Um, and I think it's it's because when we study life in the universe and how we got here, there are similar threads that similar like objective truths that, that we can all agree on to a certain extent. So I think they kept that out of the canon because if just any random could just be abducted by God, then everybody then everybody has a right to rule. I think that's why it stayed yeah. out. You know what I mean? That's a, that's a yeah. again, it goes against the narrative of the time. Yeah, when it comes to the church, I mean, they're definitely corrupt, and the reasons that they do things are corrupt, you know, because they teach the Bible a certain way. I, I always say, like, church is specifically designed for you not to read the Bible. Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up in the church, and, and we go there, and we spend, like, three hours going over one little passage, <laughs> and they always twist that passage to, like, fit the, like, the monthly holiday like, you know, today's Mother's Day, so we're going to read this passage. Like, it's always just one little passage, three hours. just to, And at the, at the end of it, it's always, all right, well, I hope you like that. We're going to pass the basket around. So, you know, and it's like, so church is specifically designed for you not to read the Bible. Because if you were to actually read it, and not just read it, but do some extra work and, and study how it came together, why it is the way it is, that you would start uncovering all these things like the book of enoch like the sumerians and and all this stuff and you would realize that there's a system designed right now to uh, indoctrinate us religiously rather than actually learning our spiritual and religious history the way it actually was but eddie just how in plato's cave right when he goes out into the world world and comes back and tries to save the people inside the cave they he was met with violence and resistance no we don't want to go this is our reality right he's neo he broke out of the matrix just how the alchemist right everybody laughed at him you know you're never going to find the the philosopher's stone you're never going to understand it you're never going to be able to do that and he pushed those people away because he was in his cave right studying to to find the answers right to this stone this elusive stone that would help him control everything when you start to ask these questions about things such as this, you're met with that resistance, right? I remember I asked somebody in the church about the book of Enoch. I was just curious to see if they had read it. He said, I recommend that you stay away. I said, but why? It's non-canonical and it doesn't contribute to anything. And I go, well, I think it's interesting. And I think all this shit is fascinating. So I'm going to go ahead and read it anyways, bro. You know, just when you deprave somebody of something, you just make them want it more, right? This rebellious nature in again the the lucifer character right this this light bringer right that that is supposed to the reason that the demiurge didn't want you to eat from the tree of knowledge is so you would understand that you are in a false reality that you are in a in a false prison and and trapped for eternity and once you learned of that they have become like one of us and i brought this up to somebody in the church the other day he goes no he meant like one of us like the holy trinity and i go a good that's a good argument but i like to think of it more of one of us like the seven gods that decree right perhaps the anunnaki 
Can we talk yeah. a bit about the Anunnaki? Because it's been a subject that I've always been fascinated with, uh, Zachariah Zitch and his, his work, yeah. right? How, how do you, do you think maybe he was compromised, right? Because I know how you feel about him. Do you think that maybe he had some sort of maybe bias against the church and, and against everything else that he was able to construct this whole pretty much story of creation on his own? Do you think there was any, any intervention there from outside powers perhaps, right? It's possible. It's something that some people have speculated. Um, I, I haven't studied his life in depth, but I have studied it a little bit. And I, what I do know is Jordan Maxwell, right, who uh, is a famous scholar in this field, the conspiratorial field, one of the pioneers. Uh, Jordan Maxwell was close to him. Really? Yeah. Jordan Maxwell was really close to Sitchin and actually helped get some of his books published. Oh, wow. He helped help get some of his early books um, onto shelves in bookstores and stuff on like a commercial level. And, um, and Jordan Maxwell, Maxwell, some have said it was compromised. I don't know. I mean, and, uh, but I also actually personally know a guy now I'm not really close with him, but I personally know a, a, a dude here in San Diego where I'm from who was friends with Zechariah Sitchin and also helped him get published in his early days. Um, and I've listened to what they both have to say about Sitchin. And my honest opinion is I think Sitchin was just kind of a, a mundane guy. He was just a mundane dude who just had a very fascinating revelation that he honestly believed and wanted to present that and uh, also make a ridiculous amount of, you know, income off of it as well. Not that that's bad, but... Uh, he he. I mean, he sh he shook the world with his work. Mm -hmm. And what's what's funny though is when you watch some of his older interviews or like his older press conferences, you can kind of tell that he's kind of like tired of talking about it. Like there's a like, I've watched interviews where he's like a, a, multiple times he's kind of like. Are you tired yet, bro? About talking about <laughs> Lucifer? <laughs> no, man. I'm excited, dude. I'm excited. But uh, so my my honest opinion is that. I don't think he was like compromised by secret societies. Matter of fact, um, I, I also know some people have pointed that I, that I've met him have also pointed out that he was approached by Hollywood to to uh, so, so that they could use some of his ideas in movie scripts. And time and time again, he would say no, like like hell no, like I don't want you guys to do all your corny shit with this, like because he believed in it, like he he thought this was real history. And um, if you read his works, you can tell he has a great admiration for the Bible, you know, and, and maybe not the church, but the Bible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, my honest opinion, not so much compromise, more of just a mundane dude who, who was very passionate about what he what he learned. So we see these figures, right? The Anunnaki, where it is a group of entities that supposedly right that you have the, the you have anu which is the, the 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 head figure and then you have enki and enlil which in a sense it's almost like a trinity right you have sophia the divine feminine in there you have christos the 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 thought of itself thinking right and then you have the thought that came first of the gnostics they're a little trinity but i've always found it interesting that there are other entities mixed in with these three right not so much for from the christian point of view but right what the, the anunnaki they also had a sister and they had some other right lower yeah. 
it was more familial like it was yeah. definitely a family structure and what makes it interesting is as when you read the Anunnaki story it's not that like Anu was like the all the end all be all creator actually he used to be the cup bearer of another deity by the name of um Alalu so really so you had somebody yeah, above him yeah at one point so Sitchin put together the story what he did is he put together Sumerian uh, Akkadian, Assyrian, and Babylonian yeah. stories, and and weaved it all together, and even brought in like other, just all of the mythologies and kind of pieced it all together. But uh, yeah, Anu wasn't like the end all be all creator. He was actually just another. De- we would call a deity, but he was just another person. He was just another royal person, but he was actually the cupbearer, which is a term that was used in ancient times to mean like the basically like. It was a weird thing that that people used to do way back in the like the, the ancient royal days. You'd have the king and his cupbearer, which is pretty much like his servant, but it's the person that might like like as an assistant. It was mm-hmm. his, his assistant, but who was like next up, assistant you know? to the regional manager type of shit. <laughs> pretty much, but <laughs> but they were like next up. So like, had they you know if they were a good cupbearer or whatever, they had like access to the throne. Mm-hmm. It, to succeed but anyway so like anu was actually alalu's cupbearer but in the stories alalu was like this reckless just like arrogant dude and uh ended up getting chased out by his people and then anu challenged him to a battle and uh apparently it was a naked battle not that that matters nice. but <laughs> yeah just wrestling in the nude Right, but these dudes he, they battled and uh, Anu took him down and then won the throne that way. So the story of this of the Anunnaki isn't like the way we view Jesus and God, where it's like this almighty, omnipotent, untouchable, unseeable thing. Like and this, the Sumerians talk about their gods as very anthropomorphic, like they were just like us. They just they just were Walking much gods. more powerful. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and and I I've always related these demigods right to when the Nephilim and the Elohim came down and started fucking everybody, the the yeah. byproducts right. You have the the Minotaur, the Harpies, the Bigfoot. I think Bigfoot is a descendant of the Nephilim. I, I, that's why he's interdimensional. He's divine, so he can just peace out of this dimension, and that's why you don't ever catch him. So again, these things right because we know that when they were done inserting themselves into the daughters of men they started procreating with the animals. So they were just going crazy. You know what I mean? They were just going crazy. That yeah. character that you said that. So I've always found the the story of Jacob when he wrestles the angel kind of weird, because if I meet you for the first time, I'm like, Hey bro, you want to wrestle? Wouldn't that be weird? Like, Hey bro, you want to wrestle? I was like, sure. What? You want to <laughs> wrestle naked, bro? Like you want to just go at it and just wrestle. <laughs> Didn't a Gilgamesh and Enkidu wrestle as well? Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of like wrestling motifs back in the day. Why is that? It's kind of weird, right? It's almost like Lucha Libre type vibes. Right. Well, I mean, because that that was like how you proved yourself as a man back in the day. Now it's like all kinds of different shit. You know what I mean? But, (laughs) (laughs) you know, now it's like how many followers you got, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Back then it was like, dude, meet me on the court. Let's fucking wrestle, you know? And it's. So you have, again, this they, they fought, right? You have these two separate factions of entities, if you will. And it, again, it relates to the Mahabharata, the, the, where the, these two factions of cousins, 
right? They fight and they have this crazy nuclear war, which we know that the Anunnaki, supposedly, there were these alien beings that had advanced technology. Again, it's the same story, right? Essentially, that, that, that there's this epic battle. Then you have Nibiru in there and you have this crazy just cosmology. But you mentioned earlier that Sitchin didn't want to give his work to Hollywood, but if you look at it, they've really taken like the story of Star Wars. If you really look at it, you yeah. know, it's it's pretty much that, you know. Well, George Lucas, I think, was like one of the few that he kind of gave the okay to. Oh, he um, knew him too. Yeah, George Lucas actually reached out to Sitchin and, and asked him for like advice. What? The fuck? Yeah, there's a there's a uh, interview somewhere on YouTube. I think it still exists. Where it was one of the last interviews Sitchin did, where where he says, "Yeah, he's like, yeah, George Lucas, like." reached out to him asking for like ideas on mythologies you know like like to like build characters and stuff character development yeah dude Sitchin was the real deal like he a lot of people like low-key were hitting him up and and he was well connected for sure but he stayed true to his work and what he wanted to teach yeah and and, and you know the force right it's like the astral light right very Helena Blavatsky where depending on what you use it for Right, the Jedi know the secrets of everything, but then the Sith are trying to take power. And it's a very politically fueled feud between these factions and a fight, right? The will to power. Again, this eternal uh, occurrence that just, again, it's just the Ouroboros over and over again. And I, I've always admired people who are able to create these universes in this, this whole yeah. mythology. You know what I mean? Like as a writer, I'm sure you could relate to that. Oh yeah, I first, I start when I started I started writing in uh, elementary and it was I started with like nonfiction or sorry fiction. I actually like I wrote a couple of uh, fiction books when I was like in elementary, like full length books, but I never published them or anything. But then I moved into like nonfiction now because I just trying to do that. But I might get back to to fiction later on once I'm establishing. I can kind of kick my feet up a little more, you know. But uh. No, man, I mean, people are always buying and biting off the Bible and ancient stories. And when it comes to like the Mahabharata, like the Hinduism, um, a lot of that stuff came later. Early Hinduism was like stemmed off of the, uh, the what they call it, the, the Vedas, mm-hmm. right? The four original Vedas. And Zoroastrianism also came from the four original Vedas. Um, but uh, it all—that's the oldest religion, back. right? Hinduism is one of the oldest religions that there is, because I mean, it came before a lot of shit. Uh, so they—I mean, they—that's they, what they say, but not really. I mean, legendarily speaking, because the Vedas themselves, which are the source of Hinduism, um, so like without the Vedas, there'd be no Hinduism, right? But the Vedas themselves can only be dated to uh, like the 1400 BC, really, around around that era very fascinating stuff but uh some people have speculated that 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 the indian civilization precedes the sumerian civilization i haven't gotten to i haven't studied that in depth but i mean as of right now the sumerians and their writings are are the oldest there are are, there's archaeology that goes way farther back but as far as like writing and a structural civilization i don't think anything precedes the sumerians as of right now but even they tell us about times that precedes them. They talk about in, in the Sumerian king list, which is like this uh, like cylindrical text. It's a legendary list of kings. And there's a breakoff point where the names 
that uh, are spoken of, we have yet to uncover anything else of those kings. And the king list goes all the way back to like 432,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. Damn, that's fucking wild, bro. That's crazy. Yeah. And that's the Sumerian kings list, right? Where they ruled for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, like each king. Yeah. And it gets like gradually smaller. And like the more recent kings are only ruling like, I don't know, a couple hundred or something. And it's interesting how like in the Bible, it says, I think after the Nephilim are attemptedly uh, wiped out, then the Bible just enigmatically says, and then after those days, the lot, the days of man were shortened to a hundred. So it's like, and what's interesting about that is that scientists have found that the mechanism within our genes, within our DNA, that um, dictates how long we live uh, was at some point like genetically altered to be at that point. So they're called telomeres, I believe. Like they're like the the telomeres of our DNA are the, the mechanism that dictate how long a human being can live. And all of our scientists have realized were like deliberately set to where they are through the intervention of this otherworldly race right that we refer to as the Anunnaki that's another part of the story that I love where they supposedly genetically modified us in order to be a servant race and there are and again the story is very crazy I encourage listeners to to read it and I I want listeners to read the book to see the the conclusion that you come to i don't want to spoil it for people right of who we can we, we can spoil it yeah yeah you i know. mean if you want to get into that yeah. you can you know we yeah, can wrap we it can. up on that note and and talk about who this lucifer character is ultimately at the end of the yeah yeah because i mean the book's titled the lucifer mystery revealed it's not really like the biggest secret of the book because for me and i feel like most people in our community like the truth of community we already can guess who it is i actually reveal who it is in the third chapter out of six and um in order to understand that though we got to kind of like go back and break some things down so of course lucifer never really existed in the bible was a translational error the early right (laughs) uh the early church picked it up and kind of ran with it you know and started like mistakenly you know mistakenly looked at it and were like oh my god like there's this lucifer person watch out you know kind of like blew it up and then later on the occult came across it and, and also ran with it but some of the early occultists like Eliphas levy he knew about the translational error he knew lucifer wasn't real but he found potency in the the philosophy behind it so the occult ran with the philosophy behind it but where lucifer starts to blend with actual history is when oh, we study the Garden of Eden story, because Lucifer is sometimes coupled with the with the being in the Garden of Eden, uh, but he's not called Lucifer in that story. The, in the Hebrew, he's titled uh, the Nakash, which can mean serpent, but also means wise one or diviner. He is wise so as the serpents. Of, that's what it says in the Bible. Yeah, because serpents were viewed as that back in the day. So if we understand that the Bible was. Uh, borrowing or was a summarization of ancient Sumerian tales, then we can assume that some of the deities or some of the stories are talking about some of the Sumerian gods. For example, in the book of Noah, it's one God who wants to, who loves mankind, but yet again wants to kill them. The reason being is because they borrowed from the Sumerian tale where it was two gods, Enki and Enlil. Enlil being the militant who wanted to kill us, Enki being um, the more sympathetic engineer who wanted to save us. 
and it was Enki in the Sumerian tales, w- along with his sister Ninma, who uh, took upon the task of engineering humankind in the Sumerian creation epics. So when we look at the book, the the book of or the Garden of Eden story, we see again a rivalry between Yahweh and this Nakash, and it is the Nakash, the serpent, that wants to give us knowledge, who wants to help us out. And if we take the the concept of this that story being taken from the Sumerian stories, then we see that uh, it could have been no other uh, Sumerian Anunnaki than Enki, who was the Garden of Eden serpent. And there's some pretty um, good evidence for that. One of them being that in the Sumerian uh, terminology, there was a word equivalent to Nakash. That was Ushumgal, which literally meant great serpent or like wise serpent. And the Sumerians would call their deities Ushumgals. And Enki was an Ushumgal. And uh, Sir Henry Rawlinson, uh, considered the father of Assyriology, the study of Sumeria, uh, Akkad, Babylon, so on, says of Enki, and I'll quote here, that he functions as the source of all knowledge and science, and that he is figured by the great serpent. And um, we also have many other scholars, such as E.O. James, who wrote a lot on Sumer and, and, and the ancient Levant, um, saying that Enki was the personification of divine wisdom and the source of all esoteric knowledge. So if the book of, of the Bible is borrowing from, from the Sumerian tales, it's obvious that the Lucifer, if we can call him that, or the serpent in the Garden of Eden was Enki. Interesting. And I had heard that before as well, but because you can see right this this figure all throughout history, this trickster god that that right you have the other one that wants to save humanity but then because he's in love with the creation and then because you see that even in greek mythology right where they're coming down and procreating with the right that's how you get hercules and all these again demigods that are genetically modified and that much higher of higher consciousness and all that stuff do you think that and it was nakash right that was the the term do you think that's where nagas come from in the hindu sense of things right you have the, the the naga people where there were these supposedly serpents and you have the the statues of the nagas in in you know hindu mythology and all these places do you think that's where that also stem from right the the serpent mythology yeah i think so i think there is an etymological connection there um yeah because back in the day the serpents and the serpent imagery was viewed as like like great righteous but then at some point it was kind of flipped mm-hmm and that's how we I've, I've talked about that. I've, did, I've done complete episodes on this where the inversion of the symbolism, right? We see it's like, oh, you're 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 how do they call it? You're a snake, bro. You know what I mean? Like you're you're bad. You know, the snake. I was always when I was growing up Christian, they always told me, oh, the snake drags itself on the floor because it's the scum of the earth. You know, it's the lowest. And at one point it could walk, but it turned into a snake because, again, it tried to defy God or because, again, uh, Eve. Mm-hmm. try to get Eve to eat from the tree of of knowledge and then there's a court right in, in Gnostic cosmology you have the the ego and the serpent where the yeah. ego is Yahweh and the serpent was supposedly Sophia which I forgot who it was it was Miguel Connor that said Sophia also means I think something I forgot what he said I was I was listening to the episode that you did with him 
Yeah. And he relates to something else. I forgot the word for it, but it's like uh, Sophia is like the Greek for wisdom. Wisdom, yeah, something like that. Where again, the snake be as wise as the serpent. But you see eagles, right? Even in the symbology of this country, the eagle, yeah. which is supposed supposed to be the bad guy who's trying to entrap you in this matrix, but yet the bald eagle is is the, the you know the American bird, and then you have the Mexican flag where it's the eagle eating the serpent. Again, this inversion, I believe it was the Byzantine uh, Empire that had the two-headed eagle on their flag, right? Again, yeah. you have these this eagle symbolism, but again, it's we're always told, oh, you're 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 just a snake, you're you're so bad, you're trying to connive people and 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 and, and you know uh, play them and all this stuff. Again, is that done on purpose in order to disconnect us from whatever that symbology may be? Who knows? But again, you know, I, I, I encourage people to look into it. I encourage people to ask these hard questions. That's what I'm all about. And that's what I, I have this podcast for. And again, I encourage people to check out your book, bro. I really appreciate you coming on with me and, and chopping it up. We talked a lot of, uh, about a lot of subjects that, that are near and dear to my heart. Enoch, Gnosticism, and and the Anunnaki, especially, which are the ones that I really started with and started, you know, it starts off yeah. somewhere. It's the tip of the iceberg and you keep digging deeper and deeper and deeper. And I appreciate you coming on. Can you tell the listeners one more time where they can find your work, bro, and how they can get a hold of you if they want to and, and whatever you want, whatever else you want to plug? Yeah, man, absolutely. And uh, thanks for having me. This was, a, this was a fun one for sure. Um, you can find me at uh, Instagram, uh, Esoteric Eddie or YouTube at Esoteric Eddie TV. Awesome, dude. And I'm going to ask you to send me your, can you send me the title page for your book so I can put it in the, as a title for the podcast. Yeah. And thanks, Eddie. Make sure to check out his work. Make sure to follow me on social media at the Juan Juan podcast. And yeah, I had a great time. Eddie, thank you so much. And I'll have you back on. Maybe we do a round table type of style with Romy Romy. And chop yeah. it up about some more stuff. Maybe go into the the Anunnaki a little bit deeper. And do you have any, I don't know if you want to say it or not, do you have anything else you're working on for the future? Can we expect something to see from you here come soon? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I'm revising my first book that I released um, back in like 2018. And it's actually titled The Anunnaki Theorem. Nice. And it's it's a it's kind of just a little breakdown of the Anunnaki um you know, concept, but that should be coming out late summer this year. Awesome. Dude. I'll keep an eye out for that. And again, bro, I appreciate you coming on, bro. I had a fun time and thank you so much. Cool, man. Thank you. buns soft fluffy and ultra low net carbs discover hero bread the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture 
Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O dot C-O.